BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be Continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, friends, and welcome to the Papaya Podcast. I'm your hostess, Tran Hermostis, Sarah Nicole, and each week I'm going to be dishing out some sweetness mixed in with some seeds of wisdom or something like that. So get ready to get inspired, get candid, get real, because we are all in this digital space together. Hey, everyone. Welcome I'm excited for today's episode. We're going into a really cool topic, but I also just wanted to take a moment and say thanks because the Papaya podcast actually had its top downloads last month. And that's really cool because four years into a podcast is sort of that moment of truth, clarity, whatever you want to say. This is a very unpredictable world. And to be honest, to know that it's growing and that we had our best downloads ever four years in is truly, it just, I don't know, knowing that you've intentionally pressed play to hear my voice, which I said to my husband the other day, it's so hard for me because I find my voice so annoying. So when you intentionally listen and we get to have these incredible conversations to think about the things that we've talked about and shared over the years, I don't know. It just, it's a very, very meaningful thing to hear that and to know that. So thank you so much. Everything is wild in our our world. We are gearing into summer. I literally, the kids just wrapped school. And so we're going into a whole other chapter of life. I feel it's going to be a big one. And today's conversation, I'm going to bring us down into something that is really remarkable to talk about, and that's owning our struggles. Mina B is a writer, author, and the founder of Mina B Consulting. It's a mental health consulting practice that works with organizations to help them develop psychological safety and become mental health inclusive. This is something that I feel none of us really grew up around or ever worked in a workplace that had that at a core. So this is really cool. She is a licensed mental health professional and worked as a therapist specializing in treating depression, anxiety, and trauma. An expert in her field, Mina sits on the on the Mental Health Advisory Committee for The Wondermind, a mental fitness company co-founded by Selena Gomez. Mina has been featured in various media outlets such as Red Table Talk, Peace of Mind with Tahari, BBC, Essence, so much more. She lives in New York City. I'm so excited to have her on today and to talk about her new book, 
Owning Our Struggles. It's a book that fills in so many of the gaps that we often see in traditional self-help books, which tend to overemphasize the importance of the self in healing and underestimate the importance of community and culture. So that's what we're going to be talking about today. And I think this is important for all angles, for all people, because whether you suffer or not, we are all part of a community and we're all part of a culture. So how can we contribute to the bottom line of mental health and supporting others in our community or finding support for ourselves as well? So thanks for listening. Thanks for press and play today. And let's get into the show. Oh, I'm so excited for this conversation. Welcome to the show. Let everybody know who you are. I've already done a little introduction into your work, but in your own words, let us know who you are. Well, hi, Sarah, and hi, everyone. My name is Mina B. I'm a writer, licensed social worker, and I'm the author of the book, Owning Our Struggles, A Path to Healing and Finding Community in a Broken World. I am also the founder of Mina B Consulting, where I work with organizations to help them develop psychological safety and become more inclusive of mental health. So as somebody who has worked in mental health and the mental health field, I'll be honest, I haven't ever heard And I was kind of like reading about your book and the fact that so many self-help books are really focused on the self part. And you sort of shifted that focus into a little bit more of community and culture. Talk to me about the path to discovering that need and sort of why that became a focus topic for you. So I had a unique experience as a therapist in training. So when I was going to grad school, I had an internship where I was placed in a substance abuse treatment center. And their approach to working with clients was group therapy versus one-on-one therapy. Mm. So all of the participants did have a scheduled one-on-one session with their therapist once a week. But four days a week for 90 minutes, they had to do group therapy sessions. I and my supervisor led those sessions. And there were about, I would say, maybe 10 to 12 people per group. And it was the same group every day, though. Mm -hmm. And that experience was so eye opening Mm -hmm. for me. And the reason why is because I think what the self-help industry gets wrong is We have to understand that we do not heal to exist in a vacuum. We heal so that we can learn how to integrate into community. Mm. And being in that group therapy setting was just so eye-opening for me because that was a space where people had to learn how to build healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. it was a space where if there was conflict in the room, me and my therapist, me and my supervisor would say, no, the conflict has to get fleshed out here. Yeah. So what did you say to that person? How do you feel about what that person said to you? You're shutting down, work through that here in this space. We have to get those things out in this setting, because if you can't do it here, how are you going to do it when you leave? Mm. And I think that's often missing in the therapeutic relationship, because at the end of the day, no matter how much you love your therapist, your therapist is not your friend. Yeah, that's true. Right. You know, so we go to therapy. We share all these things with our therapist. My mom is getting on my nerves. My partner is doing this. My friend is doing that. And our therapist is giving us tips. But when we leave the therapeutic room, we have to learn how to regulate ourselves to be able to do those exercises and practices that Mm -hmm. we learned in therapy. And I just felt like 
group therapy was a pivotal moment for me in my training experience that helped me to see how community care is so pivotal to healing because relationships is how we it's how we thrive. It is at the root of our well-being. And I feel like that is what's often missing in wellness culture. All this conversation around trauma and healing is beautiful, but if we're not integrating that into community and learning how to be better friends, better partners, and not focusing just on the I, but really examining the we of society, mm-hmm. then I feel like we're not going to make progress. I feel too, and I kind of want to ask about this. The last few years have felt almost traumatizing for everybody in different ways. And it feels like every single time we have conversations in community, it's like bouncing off of each other. Like, yes, me too, me too, me too. We all have these like experiences and we're almost just like, but I I feel like I don't even know how we all have capacity to be good friends or be uh, have capacity to be good community members, how we figure out how to regulate ourselves back into the world. I'm noticing more and more people are like, I'm exhausted by being around people. This is very, very mm-hmm. difficult. Have you, because when you wrote the book, what year did you actually start writing it? I started writing that book in 2021. Okay. So right in the thick of it. So talk to me a little bit about like, how does this actually work? How do we actually start to create community in balance with our own need for healing? Because I feel like everyone's on a healing journey of one way or another. If you weren't in a big way before all of this, the last few years, and then having to reintegrate ourselves into society in some ways has been jarring. That said, there's also people who are experiencing more hate. There's groups that are experiencing more hate than we've ever seen before. And we're collectively having to figure out how to navigate what has become so loud. And I just, I'm just wondering, how do we create that community experience when we are all individually struggling as well? Yeah, you know, that's a really good question. So the first thing is understanding that community care does not mean a lack of boundaries. Mm. At the end of the day, we cannot be everything to everyone And we cannot be available to everyone and everything that is asking for our attention. So being in community with people, it is a relationship. Yeah, It is something that ebbs and flows. You know the concept of work-life balance. The reason why (laughs) work-life balance is not possible is because the term balance specifically means to give something equal distribution. So you're basically saying... I need to give 50% of myself to work and then 50% of myself to everything else that's on my plate. Work-life harmony means if I have 20% for work, 10% for friends, 5% for my kids, that's what you're going to get. You get what you get and you don't get upset. (laughs) Right? Right? And it's about recognizing relationships are all about harmony. And what I mean by that is, Harmony is about having flexibility. It is about learning to compromise. And it's also about learning to know when it's time to erect a boundary, as well as respecting the boundary of someone else. Mm. That is how relationships function. There are going to be times where uh, I am so exhausted. Even the people that I love dearly in my life, I'm like, girl, I am so sorry, Mm -hmm. but I can't have a conversation with you right now. I'm going to have to call you back tonight. I might even have to call you back tomorrow. Mm -hmm. I'm just drained. Mm -hmm. And so it's really about understanding the fundamentals of a relationship. So the first fundamental part is communication. Mm-hmm. If you're drained, if you're tired, we have to learn to express 
how we are feeling so that the people who are in relationship with us understand this is where I need you to meet me in this moment. Mm, You're used to Mina being at a 10, but Mina is at a six right now. So this is what you're going to get from me. And this is what I can give. This is my capacity. And then being in community says, can you honor that? Mm. And someone who truly wants to be there for me and someone who truly wants to support me will say, yeah, girl, I get it. Take your day, take your wellness day. And so in my book, one of the things I walk people through is the spectrum of friendship. And I think this is what's critical here about relationships. I find in my line of work, and I think this is just a societal thing where I'll meet people who'll express things about my friend this and my friend that. And when I get to the root of their relationship and I start to learn more, I'll say, are you sure that's your friend or is that someone you just know? Because I think we use that term friendship very loosely. Yeah. And when you're experiencing loneliness, U.S. Surgeon General Vivek Murthy, in his book, he talks about loneliness as a hunger. Mm. And I know when I'm hungry and I go out to eat, I'm like, can I get another basket of bread and another basket and another basket? Because I feel like I'm waiting forever for this meal. So I just need to be satiated. Just give me what you have. And I think in society, When we're experiencing loneliness and we want connection and we want relationship, we open the door for everybody to come in. And so now when we're struggling, we can't discern, well, who are my actual people? Who are my close friends versus my acquaintances versus my best friends? Because at the end of the day, everyone is not going to show up for you equally. No relationship is equal. Yes. And so to, to go back to your question, I think it's realistic to understand. There are going to be times where we're so drained. There are so many things happening in society. But if I don't know my people Mm -hmm. and I'm expecting something from someone who really is not in my circle of support, is not a close friend, is not someone who knows how to nourish me, I might find myself in this battle because I'm asking them to give them something they're not equipped to give me, or I'm asking them to give me something that we don't really have that nurturing, intimate relationship. And so therefore, I might still feel empty and unfulfilled by this relationship because that's not my person. So I think relationships just ebb and flow in that way where, again, community care is also about knowing who are the members of your community? Yes. What role do they play? And depending on that role, all relationships should come with some level of flexibility because that is what a healthy relationship is. And I think that is how we are able to live our lives where we recognize I'm burnt out and I'm tired. But we also know that even in the midst of going through all of this, loneliness is not the answer. It's not Mm. the antidote. And so being able to discern who is in my circle of support, who deserves the the title of close friend and best friend and who are my people that can help us feel more satiated when we are feeling the different things that come up for us. People can't see my face, but the way that my jaw dropped when you started (laughs) talking about this. And I, and I think this is so important. One of my best friends and I have had this ongoing conversation about the fact that there are so many books about self. There are so Mm -hmm. many books about romantic relationships, and there is almost no information about Mm -hmm. friendship and relationship building. And I've been through a divorce. I remember what that was like. And you did not, your whole world falls apart. And like friends are all you have, friends in your family who are there, but like that can be complex for so many people, but your friends are what get you 
through things like that and you really sit and go, who are my people? How am I going to carry through this? And I'm fascinated too, because I get asked a lot in the realm of like divorce and like, what, how did you figure out the next steps? And for me, a big part of that was understanding how uncomfortable being alone was because our whole lives, I was so surrounded by people. And I also had to acknowledge at the time of that, that most of my friends had entire lives and families and there wasn't, everybody couldn't fill every gap of hour of my day. So when it comes to the realm of like understanding that hunger of loneliness and also establishing these friendships, because these friendships you describe, sometimes we don't even have them yet. And we Mm -hmm. had a recent episode about, you know, friend divorces or, you know, these things that nobody talks about, but so many people have experienced and gone through. And that desire to create really nourishing, great friendships and relationships in community. So question one, what are sort of those tools that we can use to sort of deal with that hunger, that bread basket, all of that feeling. And then two, stepping into relationships in a way, or even the relationships that we have in a way where we can start to define these critical pieces that really build good relationships as opposed to just somebody you know. Because when you said that, I was like, I wonder how many people I have said are my friends, but they're just Mm. people I know. And that's not an offensive thing. I think friendship is a it is a bit of a contract. It is a bit of a, my friend yeah. Nicole calls it that. She calls them, you you know, you have a relationship with a contract and sometimes the contract changes, but friendship feels like it should be with that level of seriousness, right? It is a big, it is a big thing. So walk me through that loneliness and developing really good community relationships. Yeah. So I want to go back to something that you mm-hmm. said, where you talked about after that period of divorce, wanting to do all these things, wanting to call this friend, wanting to hang out and recognizing that people are still living their life and their life is still going in a particular way where it can't be put on pause to meet my particular needs. And what you're literally describing through that example is something called co-regulation. And co-regulation is when our nervous system, the part of the body that helps us either our trauma responses. So that's your sympathetic nervous system where your fight, flight, freeze, or fawning mechanisms will tap in when there's a threat. But then your parasympathetic nervous system is a part of the body that says, all right, we're not supposed to live in a state of survival. You're not Mm. supposed to live in a state of fight, flight, freeze. And so what are some things that we can do to get us back to our equilibrium? Mm-hmm. Co-regulation is a process where we use someone else's nervous system to balance out our own, mm-hmm. which is why when we talk on the phone with a friend, when we go out to have brunch, even if we're sitting on someone's couch, the act of being in proximity of someone, one releases oxytocin, which is the love hormone, right? And we mm-hmm. get that through connection. We get that through conversation. We get that through hugs, through touch, but also those other feel-good hormones like dopamine, all of those things get released as your nervous system starts to regulate because of someone else. Mm. The reason why that can be so important is because I am a big co-regulator. Yeah. I'm a huge Me co-regulator, Me right? Too. I feel the, it. Yes. And the reason why I think it's so important to have this discernment is because when your body is craving that hunger, right? That mm-hmm. hungriness, your body is saying, I want to co-regulate right now. Mm-hmm. You have to say to yourself, unfortunately, co-regulation is not available. I now have to Mm self-regulate. 
Self-regulation is that process of you engaging in tools that you have access to that doesn't involve another person. Self-regulation could look like, you know what? I want to engage in healthy escapism. I'm just going to turn on the office. I'm going to watch Sex in the City. I'm just going to drown out all these feelings by engaging in something that makes me feel good. It makes me laugh. Again, helps to release those hormones. I might also journal. I might do a puzzle, right? So I want people to learn to discern that it's not bad that mm-hmm. in moments when you're feeling down and you're going through something, your body is like, I need to co-regulate. That's all yeah. what that means, right? Yeah. And it's a beautiful thing. But when we have that discernment, we can recognize, oh man, my body is craving co-regulation, but right now I need to self-regulate. Yes. That is what's coming up for me. Yes. And so one, I want people to learn to discern the difference between self-regulation and co-regulation because co-regulation is not always going to be available. And the reason why this is also important is because I've seen, I've had to walk a lot of people through relationships where they will say, well, Mina, I was at my worst and I called my friend and I needed my friend and they were not available and I expected Mm. them to drop everything for me. Yeah. And I would have to now walk them through the process of expectations versus entitlement. Mm, Because when we're hungry... Yeah. We're like, waiter, I don't care if there was a limit <laughs> on how many bread, bread baskets I could get. I said, I want more. Yes. How dare you not mean me bring me that bread? Because if my meal is not in front of me, you better give me what I want. Yes. And this, this is the part of community care that I love to walk people through because when we're hurting, yeah, we treat, we want relief. Mm-hmm. And so when we're in pain, we expect our friends and the people that we love to treat our pain as a form of urgency. Mm-hmm. So if I want relief, you better give it to me because I need to co-regulate right now. And expectation is this is a desire that I have. I desire to talk to my friend. I yeah. desire to go out with brunch with, with you. I yeah. desire to do this thing. Entitlement, however, is a demand. Mm-hmm. There, What I say, I get what I do, what I want. There's no ands, ifs, or buts. You better give me what I'm asking for. And if you don't do it, you are a terrible person. Mm. And I want us as people to pay attention to the ways our trauma and our hurt and our pain might shift us into this place of wanting things versus demanding things. And what happens when your friend can't give you what you want? Are they really terrible or is it unrealistic in this moment for them to give you and meet, give the, give you what you want and meet your needs. And so this is why I think it's important for us to learn just the discernment around co-regulation because we want to co-regulate so badly sometimes that we think people are harming us or we think people are being bad friends if they can't give us the thing that we want. And sometimes your body is saying, no, it's not them, it's you. You have to self-regulate right now. The other piece to this, to answer the other second, the other part of your question is I think what we all need to learn how to do is build a circle of support Mm -hmm. to walk you through that. There are four different domains in your circle of support. The first circle is your circle of intimacy. This is your most intimate relationships in that circle of intimacy. Your family goes there, but often sometimes our family are not, are not safe people. 
Yes. Remember, your friends can be your family, mm-hmm. right? The, the the family you married into can become your family. Yes. Even after the divorce, they can stay your family, right? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so remember your circle of intimacy are the people that I can show them my full self. I always say when to think about your circle of intimacy, who is that friend that when they come over, you're like, girl, get what you want. Go in the fridge. Yes. Help yourself. Yes. I'm going to kick my feet up. Who cares if there's dishes <laughs> in the sink? I ain't yes. cleaning that. You yeah. saw my, you saw me at my worst. So yeah. I don't, I could care less what you see when you come into my house. Right? <laughs> yes. That to me is a circle of intimacy. I can show up as my full self, my messy self, my unfiltered self, and mm-hmm. you will not judge me. You hold me with compassion. You listen. Sometimes you just do the dishes. That's yeah. all right, girl. <laughs> I know it's your house. Pick your feet up. You had a long week. I'll just wash the dishes for you. Yes. <laughs> right? Yes. That's your circle of intimacy. Now your next circle is your circle of friendship. Remember that friendship falls on a spectrum. You Mm -hmm. have your best friend, you have your close friend, and sometimes you have people who are just acquaintances. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I always tell people when they're like, where do I start? I say, start where you are when you're thinking of friendship. Mm -hmm. Do you have colleagues? Do you have different groups of people that you're exposed to on a daily basis? Because those people can now become acquaintances Mm -hmm. and that moves us into your circle of participation. Mm. Your circle of participation are networks that you engage in either on a daily basis or repeatedly where let again, your colleagues are your circle of participation because you see them at work. Yes. I think of mothers. Do you attend a mommy and me group? Mm-hmm. Those mothers are in your circle of participation. Yes. People who do a hobby on the weekend. That is your circle of participation. Start where you are. And remember, this is an area where we have something in common. We work mm-hmm. together. We mm-hmm. can talk about work. We go to mommy and me groups. We can talk about mommy and me. I may only see you in these settings, but remember, relationships cannot be forced. Yes. That is my number one thing that I always say to people. Yeah. Allow relationships to grow organically. Mm-hmm. And so your circle of participation is where you start because you're like, this is where I see this person all the time. And you can start expanding. So you might say to a colleague, do you want to have a Zoom lunch? Yeah. Or do you want to do happy hour after yes. work? And it can be non-alcoholic happy mm-hmm. hour, right? Mm-hmm. Or mommy and me, you know what? Do you want to have a play date outside yes. of this setting? Those are different things. This are Those are different ways you can start communicating with people to build them out of that circle of participation. Yes. And then the last domain is your circle of exchange. This exchange are your paid and professional networks. I always say, for example, if you go to a therapist, your therapist is in your circle of exchange. Your Mm. doctor is in your circle of exchange. The person who you get professional support from or you pay them for support, that is your circle of exchange as well. And that is a part, all of those four domains falls in your circle of support. So I think when people start to flesh out those four different domains, it helps you to assess one, who fits in this circle? Mm -hmm. Two, how can I use the people who are in this circle to continue to build healthier relationships? Mm -hmm. And I always say that first domain is your circle of participation. And if you don't have one, now this is where you have to be proactive and say, maybe I need to go up on, go on Mm meetup.com. Maybe I need to use the Bumble BFF feature because I am all about self-efficacy and self-agency. Yes. There are things that we want where we have to say to ourselves, am I willing to work for it? 
Mm-hmm. So if I know in this season of my life, I don't have anyone in my circle of intimacy, friendship, or participation. Well, let me tell you something. Friends don't just pop up on your doorstep. Yes. You know? So if yeah, you want so to true. meet people, you also have to be proactive in giving yourself the life you want and think you deserve. And that is the area where people have to start saying, what are the resources that are available to me that will help me meet people so that I can first build my circle of participation, which will then trickle down to friendship and even then trickle down to intimacy. Yes. And it's so fascinating because when you look at any of the intimate relationships you have in your world beyond like maybe the person who birthed you and you work back, you realize how much it started as a participation relationship. Like I met my husband at work. I met one of my best friends. We were serving tables together and like just people that you have kids with around the same time. And it just like happens. And I always just considered it like circumstance or happenstance or kismet. But really there was like that there was like that participation that moved into friendship that moved into these intimate relationships. And I think that that's a really great way for us to see it and understand that there, we do have the ability to go and take up a hobby or go even, I mean, I remember in those days where I didn't really have anybody to go to, I would sometimes take myself out for a meal and even just interacting with your server or interacting with like something like that could sort of help me get in the practice of talking to new people and, you know, sharing your story in a new way for the first time when people, it's not like, it's like when you, I had a friend once who her birth name, when she went to school, she was like her, she actually went by her middle name, but her first name is what they called her out in attendance. And she was like, that moment I was like, I am a new person. And she Mm -hmm. decided to start introducing herself as this new person. She went by a different name. Her family did not know that she had this like alias basically at school, but it, I've always remembered that because I'm like, we really do have opportunity to introduce people to who we are now, not who we were when we were five years old and went through all the stuff. We get to be the version of ourselves that we truly desire to be and introduce ourselves as. And I would love to know from you, how does, like, not even just in the realm of relationships, but in community and mental health and how we can be better supports to each other, where do you find that social media comes into play? And how can we, how can we also, like, where does social media relationships fall in the line of all of these things? Because some of my closest friends now, I actually did meet online. It, it's getting less and less weird as time goes on. And and there's that moment where you're like, am I in a parasocial relationship or is this real? Is this like a real mm. relationship? But I have several of them now, but I also would love to know like how we can be, how we can show up for each other and how we can be better community members in this arena as well on social media. I'd love to hear like mm-hmm. a positive side to all of this yeah. for social media. I love that question because I too have made such wonderful friendships because of social media. Yes. And I think that social media has its detriments. There Mm -hmm. are so many elements to it that can be very toxic, very negative. But I believe that as a user, again, going back to self-efficacy, you have to ask yourself, what type of relationship do I want when I'm online? Mm-hmm. And what role am I going to play in getting that? Mm-hmm. If I see something that's disturbing, I can unfollow, I can block, yes. I can unmute. I can do all those things so that it doesn't distract my experience when I'm utilizing it. Yes. And for me, I have, one, been able to build very authentic relationships because, one, it has taken time. Mm-hmm. 
Two, I was proactive in initiating conversations. Yes. I was proactive in building authentic relationships where I commented on people's posts. I reposted the things that they shared. If I saw that they were, for example, selling a therapist was selling a course, I would reshare it to my community. Mm -hmm. And those were things that played a role in being able to build an authentic relationship. Yes. And I think the next step to that is recognizing reciprocity. And I think that this is super important because going back to the power of social relationships, there is this like, I think the, the detriment about relationship building on social media can be hard is because we are so used to interacting with the person we see online, mm -hmm. that it can be easy to believe that I have an automatic friendship yes. with this person without realizing this is someone who has never spoken to me. Yeah. <laughs> right. Fair, and so fair. I think reciprocity is the number one thing that I would tell people to look for mm -hmm. when you are building a relationship online. Mm -hmm. Does that person engage with you as much mm. as you're engaging with them, mm. you know, are you getting feedback? Are you all actually having a conversation or are you the person who has all of these messages in their DM and they see it, but they're not responding to you, right? Yeah, yeah, That's a yeah, sign yeah. that they might not be interested in trust. I'm going to be vulnerable and say, this has happened to me. Yes. And I have learned once again, because I understand the circle of support and I understand a different spectrum of friendships, I don't take it personal. Yeah. I want to be in friendships and in relationships with people who want to be in relationship with me. Yes. So if I'm pouring out and I'm investing in the other person and I find myself seeking relationship, but I don't see reciprocity, I recognize, all right, this sucks. I really was hoping to get to know this person on a deeper level, but they don't want to know me. Yeah. Or maybe they're moving at a slower pace. I don't know what it is, yes. but it's okay. Yeah. It doesn't mean that I'm unworthy. It doesn't mean I'm unlikable. And so I think those two things peer together are important because I think our self-esteem gets impacted when mm -hmm. we're trying to build relationships in a virtual space because there's this disconnect. Yeah. You know, it's one thing to, if you see this person all the time, but being in an online setting, some people will get offended because the person read their DM but didn't respond and they must hate me and they must not like me. And it's really easy to create these negative narratives. But I think it's important to remember one reciprocity is key in how a relationship gets built. Mm -hmm. So again, the same way you're investing in that person, you want to see a return on that. Absolutely. You want to know that they're also checking in with you. Mm -hmm. They're also making conversation. Mm -hmm. They're also maybe sharing your work or liking your post. There's some sort of yeah. mutual interest in each other. But when you don't see that happening, don't take it personal. Just yeah. realize that that's not your person. They're yes. not going to fit in your circle of support. And there are, there are billions of people on this in this world, <laughs> right? A lot of my close friends that I met also don't live in New York City. So I live in New York City. Yeah. And I also want to tell people, don't get deterred because of geographic location. I have met so many people where when I'm in L.A., I'm yeah, like, hey, girl, same. I'm in L.A. Can we link up when my friend who lives in Miami is in New York City? Mm -hmm. She hit me up. So mm -hmm. also understand that even if we're not in the same time zone and we don't live in the same state, doesn't mean an authentic relationship can't come I from that as agree. well. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely agree. Yeah, I uh, so many of my friends are on the West Coast and they love when I'm up late. And I always I mean, 
I just find it special. I think it's special that we have these connecting tools now, especially in a world where we used to grow up and it was only who was in the circumstances around. It was only the exchanges, only the participations. And now we have this opportunity, but you're right. I've had the same thing happen where I'm like, there was not that, like it wasn't reciprocated. And, and it, and it does kind of, it hits your ego a little bit, but at the same time, you're like, you know what? I know what I feel like when I'm so at capacity and, you know, or maybe there's trust issues. Maybe there's a, there's a lot more involved. It, it maybe doesn't doesn't have anything to do with you. And it, a connection takes two sides, right? It can't just be like, but I feel connected to you. They really have to connect back. And I think that that is such an important part of the whole puzzle and really taking that and being proactive about how we build these relationships based off of the things that you, the circles that you shared, I think is amazing. I would love to hear as we sort of wind down here, your book, who would you say that this book is for? Is it for everybody? Is it for a particular person? Is it for a certain life stage? Who would you say that this book is for and where can we find it? Mm. Oh, this is a good question. You know, I will absolutely say this book is for everyone. Mm -hmm. this, this book is for people who want to understand how to build community. Yeah. This book is for people who want to build nourishing relationships. This book is for people who are afraid yeah. of building relationships. This book is for people who are still feeling burnout because of 2020. 2020 mm -hmm. is when I wrote the book proposal for the book and I started writing it in 2021. So 2020 is a year that sparked the idea around this book because I felt yes. like we were living in such a broken world and people yep. were so disconnected. And so these are this book is for the people who lost friends during that year because their friends moved. This book is for millennials and Gen Z who are trying to navigate relationships in such a digital world. Mm -hmm. um, this book is also for people in older ages, right, who are also prone to loneliness. Mm -hmm. So I really want people to utilize this book as a tool that can really help you want to heal yourself because that's what the concept of this book is. Mm -hmm. Self-care is the bridge to community care. Mm -hmm. It starts with the self, but we don't end there. We yeah. bring our full selves to community. So you also are required to do the work. Yes. The same way you want to heal yourself, heal yourself, not just because you want to function better, heal yourself because you want to play a role in helping society function better. Right. Because when I think of this world we live in, remember, the world is operated by people. Yes. Right. There's no magical Absolutely. robot that's controlling the way the world works. It's exactly. Us. Yeah, it so is. What role do you want to play in that? And this is why, again, this book is really all about community, care, collective healing, but it still focuses on you developing the tools that you need to heal mm -hmm. yourself first so that you can now learn how to bridge those practices to the people you want to build relationships with. And lastly, my book can be found anywhere. <laughs> anywhere books are sold, you can order it on Amazon. You can find it in Barnes and Noble. You can find it in Target. You can find it online. Um, and you can also head to my website, www.meanabee.com, and you can find it there as well. Oh, I'm so excited to dive into this book. And I think it's also part of our core responsibility as human beings. Like you said, the world is run by this, but to have community doesn't only just impact your personal life, but we work so hard for money. We work so hard for right. social status, but what do we do with that? And why, yeah. when we make money, where is it going? And when we create, when we have social status, if we're climbing the ranks, what are we doing with that responsibility? And I think when we come into that sort of healing and struggle and ultimately community, 
that really is a huge piece because if you are a healed person or healing person stepping into those arenas, it changes the way that you use your money. It's a tool. It becomes a tool. It changes the way that you use your social media or your status in places. And, you know, the people, you know, it really can create impact greater than just, oh, I'm going through a hard time and I now have community to help me through it. It's so much bigger than us. And it's also just as little as us. And I think that that's what's so special about this entire conversation. And thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for sharing this. I think it's been such an ongoing conversation that we've had between, you know, mental health and struggles in the last few years and friendships. And this, this whole conversation really just brings it all together in a really practical way. Thank you so, so much for coming on. And for everyone listening, I really hope you go and get this book. I think we all need it. I'm really excited to dive into it myself. So I'm going to have everything in the show notes for you as well, as well as where to follow Mina and her work online, which I've been a follower for a while. She is absolutely amazing. Highly recommend. And so check it out and we will see you next week. Thank you so much for listening all the way through this episode. If you've made it this far, I have one more little thing to share with you. Did you know that I actually have a photo and video editing app? So many people were surprised to hear that I have one, but it's actually been around for a little while and you can join over 200,000 of the Papaya community by downloading my free app, Pink Papaya on iOS. While so many apps focus on changing your appearance, Pink Papaya is all about celebrating yourself for exactly who you are and expressing your creativity and your storytelling with nearly 50 free filters and tools. Find us on social and share your edits as well. We might just share them too. So tag me as well at Pink Papaya app. Just had to share that with you, especially as the springtime's coming. We've got some really cool things happening in there and so much more coming. Check it out at Pink Papaya app. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Well, friends, thank you so much for tuning in and listening to today's episode. For more information on this episode, check out the show notes or find us on Instagram at the Papaya Podcast. And if you loved what you just listened to or know somebody who would, please share it. Simply screenshot today's episode in the podcast app and share it to your Instagram stories. And don't forget to tag us. Last but not least, if you'd like to lend your personal support to the podcast, take a moment and leave a review on iTunes. We would be oh so grateful. Tune in next week for a fresh new episode of the Papaya Podcast, and we'll see you then. Please note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.